Hey everybody, it's Justin, and we are at the end of 2022 and the very last episode of 2022 here during Top 5 Week at the Contender Cast. And the top most downloaded episode actually was one that um, we published late in the year. And it was with my good friend, Francesca Hahn, who is the VP of US Digital Commerce and Direct to Consumer at Mondelez. And uh, we talked all about entrepreneurship, all about big brand, small brand, e-commerce, um, just a, a really great and fun conversation. If you missed it, you'll check it out here. But um, thanks everybody again for an incredible year. Thanks for the support and looking forward to a great 2023. And uh, with that, I'll leave you with this episode with uh, Francesca and Mondelez. And remember that every winner started as a contender. Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast, shining a light on bright ideas. It's episode number 500. I can't even wait for today's um, discussion. I, first of all, you know, as I said in the intro, thank you all for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for following. I mean, like, gosh, it's been such a fun couple of years. And um, you all have really made this uh, show what it is. And, and uh, I just want to thank you for listening. And, and thank you for just the feedback and, and recommendations on guests. Um, today, it's going to be an awesome discussion. We're talking all around e-commerce. Um, on the podcast today is one of my good friends, Francesca Hahn from uh, Mondelez. She's the VP of Digital Commerce and also the GM of Direct-to-Consumer. You guys are going to love this discussion. We're going to hit on big brand. We're going to talk small brand and uh, growing brands. But I'm just excited that you're here with us, Francesca. Thanks for making the time. Thank you. I can't believe you've hit 500 episodes. <laughs> um, and and frankly, early in my e-commerce journey, I learned from your uh, podcast. So, awesome. Uh, so super I love honored that. to be here now. Yeah. It's so fun. Francesca and I work together in the industry. We also get to work together in our day jobs, which is really cool. Um, but so much to, to unpack today. I can't even wait. And just like with all episodes, Francesca, we're going to start with you and your background. How about share with our audience how you got into the industry, let's say the consumer goods industry, and then how you got into the e-commerce space? Well, I grew up in consumer packaged goods. I've worked for some great companies like Diageo, PepsiCo, Colgate Palmolive, and Britex Child Safety, which are car seats and strollers. Um, I started out in category management. So I would say shopper focused, maybe somewhat similar to today. Uh, I also was doing sales, sales leadership roles, um, and some center of excellence type roles, or you get into the, into the middle between sales and marketing. I've lived in 13 states, including Germany. Wow. It kind of comes with the CPG industry in <laughs> right. the U.S. I think you have to go so and true. move near the different retailers. And um, and I've basically called on almost every customer and channel now in the, in the U.S. And, uh, and then also with Germany, it was a really great experience. It's actually how I got into e-commerce. Uh, when I was there, they were bringing two companies together. And we wanted to create an e-commerce strategy so that Amazon and Omnichannel could coexist together at the same time. And uh, and so we created a channel strategy and then we needed to create a Europe channel strategy because it's very cross-border in Europe. And then later on, we also created a global strategy. And just that little bit 
about experience, uh, got me a tap on the shoulder basically to come and work on Hills Pet, which is part of Colgate, uh, and, and lead their e-commerce business. And at the time it wasn't very big, but it was growing super fast and, and it was an interesting opportunity, but I really didn't have any tactical experience on how to run e-commerce, but yet I guess at that point, not many people did anyway. So, uh, so I took that opportunity and I really just love the, the whole e-commerce industry as a whole. I love that. Yeah. And for those that haven't worked for a big CPG brand like Mondelez, you know, when what happens is these brands set up account teams for the major retailers like Walmart and Target and Costco and Kroger and Safeway and Publix and the list goes on. And those teams often, right, Francesca, are located at the headquarters of the of the retailer so that you're right there. You can work closely together. Exactly. Yeah. And you actually be able to go right down to their office and, and have uh, routine meetings. And it's just somewhat typical, especially in a large geography of the U.S. You, you need to be close. So. Totally. Love that. Um, let's see. Mondelez, let's turn to your company. Um, for those listening, you're like, wait, Mondelez? I think I've seen that on some packages of product I bought at the store. Uh, you can think Wheat Thins, one of my favorites, Triscuits, um, Tang, oh my God, Trident. Um, yeah. I mean, Toblerone, a huge Ritz Crackers, um, a ton of global brands, uh, Oreo. I mean, I could keep going on the list. We could spend like five minutes listing all of them. Um, how has, talk about Mondelez and how the businesses changed over the time that you've been there? So, well, first of all, Mondelez is only about 10 years old. So it's not, you know, not a huge surprise if people have not heard of it, but, um, but it was a spinoff from Kraft and, uh, and, and really Mondelez is focused on snacking brands. If you have to focus on that and over 200 brands, actually. So it's, uh, to your point, we could go for five minutes on this. (laughs) Some great brands. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. And my role for Mondelez is to lead all the pure play business, the direct-to-consumer, and then enabling the capabilities to win anywhere online, basically. So uh, so it's just ensuring that everybody can find us, learn about us, know how to buy us, and, and actually fulfill us as well. I, I do a lot of work also on supply chain and ensuring that whereas it's easy to work with, with all of our, our online retailer friends. Love that. I had a chance to spend time with Monolith's team at the Food Marketing Institute last year. Um, we were together at that. And what I thought was really cool was not only the traditional brands, um, that uh, so many of which I just listed, but also the new brands that Mondelez is looking at and thinking about and innovating around and bringing into the portfolio. And it's something that I was super impressed by. Yes. And you may have learned that we also recently bought Cliff Bar, um, and, uh, and I'm getting to know that team a lot. They're innovating in, in the bar space and, and actually very strong online business. Uh, they're 30 years old, but they definitely innovated and focused online and, and getting to the people that really love their brands. So that's been that's just a good example of, of these brands that they bring on board, and then we help to foster their continued growth. Love that. You um, cover e-commerce, and that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. In fact, on this uh, show, we've talked about e-commerce from a spectrum of perspectives, from direct-to-consumer, I'm a new brand, I'm launching you know, direct-to-consumer, my product, uh, to I'm a new brand and I'm trying to sell on marketplaces like Amazon.com, um, to major brands that we've had on talking about their e-commerce channel. So talk about um, the e-commerce story at Mondelez. Well, first of all, they started early. I mean, I've only been with Mondelez about a year and a half, but they they lean in very early, even before it was really of any significance and percent of business. They had people dedicated early, and I think that was a really key to success when COVID hit. Um, they also, I think, from the D to C world, so you mentioned direct to consumer, 
they actually also tested and learned in that space early. They actually launched something called shop.oreo.com. Com, um, and uh, and they launched it and they actually failed it, which is something we'll talk. You know, we can talk about as, yeah, as of part of the learned. culture of Mondelez is you know test, learn, fail, or scale, right? So um, so that's something you like to think about: test, learn, fail, or scale. I and like I, that. I like All right, that's a good takeaway from today. Because <laughs> okay. you, you know you got to learn. You know, it's it's a success if you've learned through, through sure. these. And the learning with the first direct to consumer was. They had launched a separate uh, site from Oreo.com. And so, again, trying to drive traffic to a separate site was really difficult. You, you, know, you, you, you wanted to benefit from the, the brand itself. So that was right. a piece. And then they were personalizing products together, um, kind of creating groups of products. And then they would name the box. So there was some innovation and work there, but it wasn't premium enough, frankly, to what you could see in the market. So, um, so they failed it. And, and the learning was to do better for the next time. Like So we we launched again two years ago on Oreo.com, a much more premium experience with Oreo ID, where you can literally customize the Oreos. The, you can um, pick the inside cream. You can cover, choose what kind of Yum. fudge, fudge you know, fill, you know, covering <laughs> you want. You can pick your sprinkles. You can put a picture of yourself on it and with with words and it comes in a super nice premium package so i love that yeah i enjoyed the uh oreo double stuff with like it was a different flavor that you gave me back in uh when i saw you at food marketing institute um i don't want to digress uh, you guys also launched sourpatchkids.com with make my mix which is really cool um where, where your fate you know you can pick your favorite kids and then you customize the type of box personalize it um really cool so how do you think about e-commerce versus direct to consumer you know there's there's this a lot of dialogue around d2c um, yeah. in the market today what, what's your perspective on that from our perspective with Mondelez, we're sold everywhere so you know you, so if you're going to sell direct to consumer it needs to be a differentiated more premium experience in, in our opinion and uh, and so that's what we've really created and then it's also a way to build who are your most loyal people if they're, if they're willing to buy you know, at this more premium price point, you know, you can imagine they're very engaged type of person in, in your equity. So, so it's a way to communicate and talk to some of your best um, loyals. Love it. Um, something we've talked a lot about over the last couple of years is COVID, uh, stores closing, e-commerce booming, stores opening, e-commerce shrinking, or I'll say reducing, not shrinking. Yeah, it is a little bit settling. Um, what's What have you seen in terms of overall strategy and market shifts, um, especially now that stores are back open, people are back in stores? Um, what's been your perspective on how you think about Omnichannel? Well, it's certainly there are a lot of people, there's a lot of traffic back in the stores, but what we believe is that people have tried now the online experience in all the different ways, all the different types of modes. They've got their credit card loaded on the apps. I mean, they, they know how to leverage these and it's starting to pick their moments and which makes sense for their lives. It's a very heterogeneous experience now with e-com shoppers and where they're choosing to potentially go into store and find something that they're trying to build for an event or a recipe, or they just like the routine, but yet they're also buying online because they want to, to stock up. They want to, uh, to get something that they're really looking for. They want something on a routine and a subscription. So again, it's a very heterogeneous situation now that we see with Omnichannel and, and, and online retailers in general. 
Uh, one of the biggest challenges, especially for new brands, is fulfillment and supply chain. And, you know, like <laughs> when it's a couple stores, no big deal. You get a bunch of stores, it could become a big deal. You get hundreds of stores and as a new brand, right? It's a, it's a challenge and you've got to find a distributor and route to market and, and delivery. Now, with marketplaces, many of them offer uh, delivery on behalf of a, a brand and whatnot. So that, that solves some of the supply chain and fulfillment. Talk about how you guys think about that and, and how you strategize around that as your route to market um, expands. The online ship to home market, you have to do the economics in the background. You've got to do the math to back into it so that you can have a sustained profit margin for the long haul. So I think that's definitely a suggestion as you're building up. From an omni-channel perspective, we have to think a lot about how do you get the product in all these places and make sure it's also economical for retailers and omni-channel. Um, so there, there's a lot there of thinking through the economics. It's it's actually more about the math uh, and, and figuring out what's the most efficient way. I do think from an entrepreneur perspective, going online first helps to figure out what is your segment? Who are the type of people that are looking for you? You can really optimize your content and find your right, you know, are the, the right claims, the right focus areas, um, see what works there. And then usually a brick and mortar will work with you to find, you know, find that right mode or method. And, um, and also I've seen that they will develop a two or three year plan with you um, so that you can help build out what your, what potential capital investment you might need to figure out on the long haul. Love that. Um, and so it's such helpful advice. I love that you're like straddling this, the, the space between like, hey, here's a, a startup growing brand. Um, and then here's the big company with resources and whatnot. And you've seen kind of both sides in your mm -hmm. role, which is really, really cool. Um, a big part of e-commerce and any sort of um, new capability is not only the tech, but the people, the process, kind of how you go about it. And um, it's interesting in, in retail, um, I've seen a lot of retailers say, okay, we'll start e-commerce over there, you know, separate side of the business, its own business. And, and, and now there's challenges in integrating those. On the CPG side, there's a little more blend and uh, collaboration in terms of thinking about that route to market. How have you guys thought about it from a people and process perspective? And then we can talk technology. The strategy starts with the vision, in my opinion, um, with our, with, Mondelez, we've stated it as part of our vision 2030. I mean, it comes out through investor day relations and then it comes through through the company and everything that we talked about. So from, from a perspective of this is where we know the business is going, it lines everybody up together. And uh, so that that helps. Um, and then the question is, how do you link that to the purpose of every everybody's role? Uh, so I, I do a lot of talking through the different groups of, of the organization. R&D, it could be the, the nutrition team. You know, you could be talking to fulfillment and talking about how they are able to enable the growth that's coming. Sometimes it's just about trying to connect the dots and, uh, and then what we want to achieve in the long run. Sometimes it's about the dollars to certain groups like that. We know there's big money that's going to come through this. You know, we we've, we've stated that we believe e-commerce will be 20% of our business by 2030. Okay, well that means this next dollars. That's mean we need to invest in in our uh, in our capabilities. It could be in our fulfillment situations. So you know, there's all these focus areas where if you can connect the vision to the people's roles, then it becomes um, very easy and tangible for them to help drive for the future. And how far do you go into, you're on the business side of this, so how far do you go into the technology? You know, when people start hearing chief digital officers or digital commerce, do you 
get into that? Or do you have like counterparts that support you and your team? Like, what does that look like? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I need to know a little bit about everything. Um, when you're in e-commerce, you cut, you have to be able to connect all the dots together. I will say, you know, I, I, it's maybe surprising. I don't know everything about e-commerce <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I know I'm a leader uh, for digital commerce and it seems weird, but there's so many things. And so what's important is I know a little bit about, you know, a lot of things and then help, help get to the right people. We do have digital experience people in, in our company that are really good at the tech. So, I, I'm, I tap out and go to them, you know, during certain type type of questions or initiatives. We've got great IT teams. Um, we call it Mondelez Digital Services. They're super cool. smart and they help link all these things together. We're a massive company too, so you know, it's we're fortunate um, to have these type of resources. But at the same point, it's a lot of people to connect to, and um, so that's also the opportunity that that sometimes we have in front of us as well. Yeah, really cool. Um, link to that. One of the reasons many companies, uh, especially large brands, got into e-commerce and direct to consumer was the perceived value of getting closer to the end shopper or customer. Um, as we've talked about on other episodes, many times a major brand has to buy the data from like Nielsen or RRI to know who's shopping in the stores, or get retailer data from the you know the independent retailer with loyalty card data or other one to one data. Um, how do you guys think about that? Are you getting closer to your shopper and or the consumer with e-commerce and D2C? I think with, there's both the first-party data strategy and a third-party data strategy. The first-party data strategy is collecting the data off people that are, are engaging with their brands. Direct-to-consumer is a very good way to do it. There are also other ways we can do it through promotions, and we can have sweepstakes. There's things that you can do to try to drive more people into your, into your database. And then the third-party data is interesting. To your point, Nielsen and IRI were like the traditional ways. Now there is a suite of tech support and expertise out there. And we need it um, to understand sure. all the different places that were sold. Um, you know, majority of our products are sold with other with retailers. So we want to understand how do we look? How do we um, how do we come across? What are our ratings and reviews? So we want to understand uh, the, the overall look and feel of the whole business. And we do have to also use tech also bring those all together, bring disparate data all into one place is um, the opportunity in, in the e-commerce space. And um, and so, and, and it's all evolved so much in just a couple of years where sure. you imagine Nielsen and I or I were around for 20 <laughs> plus years. So right. you know, everything is evolving very quickly. And there's definitely some agility that you have to continue to embrace right now. You know, I've spoken at a couple of events the last few weeks and months. Um, and one of the things that I continue to say is it, it is like the most exciting time to be in consumer goods and retail probably ever. Like uh, the last couple of years, while driving a lot of change and 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 um, I'll say stress in, in the network has also like driven a lot of innovation and growth and attracted like new thinking, right? Absolutely. Uh, actually, I feel like our journey on fulfillment centers, we have these e-commerce now enabled fulfillment centers. They're really our distribution centers, but now we've enabled these different capabilities. Frankly, Amazon pushed us early, but now the other omni-channel retailers are looking for the same support. There's a lot of time for me is spent talking to retailers and thinking about what that future will look like for omnichannel retailers. It's not profitable for them to ship to home. So how do we enable totally. their growth there? Uh, I'm really interested in watching Kroger Avocado 
and seeing the growth there and learnings there. Um, and then as well as we're seeing other omnichannels with automated micro-fulfillment, what are their pain points? How do we help them through this journey? How can we be thinking ahead about how we serve them better in the future? Yeah, I mean, we could spend a whole hour on grocery and like how <laughs> what's happened in the last year or two um, has really um, grown the industry. It's going to be it's a fun space to be in. Um, OK, let's see. But, uh, but last topic for today, I want to talk to you. We've got a lot of um, it, a lot of people that listen to our show that are new and up and coming brands. Um, how do you guys think about innovation at Mondelez? How do you how do you think about any advice or things you would share with those listeners that are, hey, you know, they've maybe got the next portfolio brand from Mondelez or they're thinking about growing something they're hoping are part of a, a larger brand one day like well, how do you think about that that's why i really like your podcast justin um <laughs> I, I, I do I, I i learned through also the the discussions that you have in terms of entrepreneur thinking and and uh so it's one of the reasons i really like listening to well, thank to you, you. <laughs> uh so from a mondelez perspective we've actually created a program called snack futures collab the collab actually features um, a 12-week collaborative effort, I'd call it, where we join entrepreneurs with Mondelez experts and they help work on what's the future of the business and thinking about actively finding the opportunities in terms of food tech, emerging ingredients. We also bring them thoughts on tech you can use um, for, for data, like we spoke earlier. Um, how do we look and want to win online? And, uh, and so there's a lot of focus there and, and getting people connected with best in class experts in our team, as well as our team learns also from the entrepreneurs. And, uh, so there's a lot of opportunity there and, and to have one-on-one -on -one mentorships and workshops. And it's very focused on what the entrepreneur is looking for. So again, that's called the collab and, and uh, I'm really proud that Mondelez leans in there and uh, and will help these uh, emerging snack brands. It's usually the snacking is typically the, the focus, helping them to employ maybe a future thinking so that they can grow and accelerate their business. Yeah, really, really cool. Um, and and like it's nice to ha see the innovation side of of Mondelez and CPG. I I've struggled to find a, um, a lot of innovation. Not just me, but our broader industry has been talking about this. There's been so much focus on supply chain and like upstream sourcing, and um, even before that, you know, out of stocks and and whatnot, and you know, shortages of materials that. It's hard to it's been hard to find real innovation the last year or two in the industry, and it's, it's some, this is a great example how Mondelez is approaching it. Um, listen, we're we're towards the end here. I always love to ask our guests some of their biggest pieces of advice um, that you just offered was for our, our um, some of the startups and whatnot. But as you think about. Um, the e-commerce space and your expertise there. And there are a lot of people that listen also to the show that are from other major brands. Like what would be two or three things you've learned? Like what are two or three of the biggest things you'd share um, in terms of pieces of advice or things that didn't work that you've learned from and then adjusted? I think that thinking through the shopper's path to purchase from very start to end and thinking through that will help you figure out where the potential pain points are in a journey and find, um, and also where your opportunities are. So I think that's a, a definitely a big learning. I also think the people part of this and, and building the right teams around you is really important. Um, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, bringing diverse type people together, um, unique people that bring different qualities. And then, and then that's actually a way to really <laughs> build, 
into a more sustainable and innovative business at the same time. So I think that's really a big piece um, of, of uh, feedback or advice. I love it. That's so great. Um, so fun having you here. And I, and, and I appreciate your friendship and you spending time with us. Exciting um, space to be working in and expi- it's really exciting to be in that space um, with a brand that's investing in innovation. How about as we go, share with our audience where they can find you and find Mondelez. Uh Find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> that's that's right. the best place. <laughs> Easy. And then you guys, of course, can go to MondelezInternational.com. You can see all the brands and whatnot there, and you can learn about CoLab. Uh, Francesca, so great to have you with us. Thanks for making the time. you got to come back on down the road. Um, I, I can't wait uh, uh, to hear what's new and what's evolving. You know in a year the space will be in a whole different world. So um, we'd love to have you back on down the road. Thanks, Justin. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.